0: Welcome to Regeneratively Speaking, a podcast brought to you by the Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I'm Katherine Drinket
1: and I'm Joshua Huntsberger. In each episode, we bring you interviews with guest researchers and our institute's faculty covering the latest cutting-edge research on regenerative medicine. GE Healthcare is a subsidiary of General Electric and has its main headquarters in the United Kingdom. GE Healthcare employs more than 46,000 people worldwide and provides medical technologies and services for patient care. Specific areas include medical imaging and information technologies, medical diagnostics, patient monitoring systems, drug discovery, biopharmaceutical manufacturing technologies, and performance solution services. Today, we are fortunate to have Dr. Phil Vanek, who is General Manager of GE Healthcare's Cell Therapy Technologies Division. Welcome, Dr. Vanek. Thank you. So, GE Healthcare provides many different medical technologies and services for patient care. Today, we would like you to focus on cell therapy technologies. Cell-based therapies hold tremendous potential for offering cures for patients, could you briefly summarize the current cell therapy landscapes? I think that if we look back at where the industry has uh, has evolved over the last several years,
2: this has gone from becoming sort of a uh, a niche therapy. There were a lot of you know a lot of progress being made biologically, but this was really in the domain of clinical trials, early stage clinical trials. What's happened in the last few years? We see a lot of investment taking place. We see a lot of um, uh, of these clinical trials moving and progressing through those trials and interestingly where these trials are not successful it's not because of safety, it's not because of the therapeutic endpoint necessarily being met, it's because some of these companies just run out of money. And in the last 18 months what we've seen is a huge investment by venture through IPO to really capitalize this mm. industry and drive this industry yeah. forward. So. I think we're not through the woods yet. There is a lot of um, sort of technical strength that's been built upon. Yeah. The investment is now materializing. And from this point forward, I think we're going to see just quite a bit of momentum carrying these technologies into the future. So yeah. a lot of interesting things happening.
0: Can you discuss more in depth some of the advances GE Healthcare is making in the field of cellular therapy? for instance we know you're working on innovative solutions that include bioreactors and cell culture reagents for cell expansion.
2: Yeah, sure. Okay. So it, it, the way we think about cell therapy from a production perspective is we look at it as a series of unit operations for the process, right? Everything from cell isolation, expansion, modification, downstream harvesting or washing of the cells, fill finish, packaging. So that's that's a fairly generic and typical workflow for, for a cell production process. Along the way, we look at the different markets we serve. So, in the translational research, there's a very basic uh, biology and biochemistry component to that. As you move down into translational research, physicians are looking at uh, actually first-in-man studies, putting these technologies into patients, seeing what the the, the medical benefit is. Then it transitions into sort of the process development phases and the manufacturing phase. So that makes a very nice, simple two-dimensional grid of the workflow versus the different Uh, user needs, and each one of those user needs are fairly distinct in terms of what they're looking for, in terms of throughput, in terms of numbers of cells produced, in in terms of quality characterization, all of those things form this particular grid. So what GE's done is we've kind of mapped out that workflow, looking for technologies that we currently offer, We have the acquisition of HiClone, which provides us a very strong biology competence capability to produce new culture medium. We've released some uh, cytokines. We've released a number of products to really foster that, that expansion of cells. But we also recognize that there's a number of gaps in our offering of that cell therapy workflow. So, we are developing new technologies which will be forthcoming in other elements. But our goal in the long term is to provide sort of a comprehensive set of tools and technologies that enable that process. In terms of the customers and the markets we're serving primarily today, really focused on the process developers. Those are the folks that are taking that technology from the academic and the translational setting and are responsible for developing it into a manufacturing scale, or bringing it to that level where it can actually be a therapy available to tens of thousands of patients.
1: So along those same lines, I was wondering if you could delve into some of the current roadblocks that you're facing um, in, in, in this process. There's a lot, okay? so For any therapy,
2: there's obviously a number of regulatory roadblocks, right? The regulators influence everything from facility design, how a facility is actually enabled and allowed to operate to produce these cells, minimally GMP. There's different regulatory requirements globally. The U.S. and the European regulatory authority are fairly harmonized, but not completely. So there are different components or different elements that they weigh in, so a regulatory element. What does that mean in terms of practical production of cells? If we produce a cell in an autologous environment, patient to patient, we have to comprehend and understand the patient heterogeneity and the patient variability, and yet at the same time as manufacturing engineers, we're trying to build a process that is consistent from batch to batch. But we're marrying that up against biological heterogeneity. So the other big gap that we see is really comprehensive cell profiling or, or, or cell characterization as well as cell and characterization has a couple different elements to it characterization there's a sort of a potency element this the the quality of the cells and the type of cell being produced but then there's also a comparability element how are these cells produced batch to batch and then how does the biological variability influence production in particular around batch to batch so every every bone marrow donor for example for mesenchymal stem cells will be slightly different. And you put it through the same process, you're going to get a slightly different outcome. How do we know the cells are the same? So until we overcome some of those technical hurdles, it's going to be very difficult to really understand if we have our manufacturing processes in control. Mm -hmm. Now that's the manufacturing process, right? Now there's this whole complexity is everyone who's working in this industry is working on a sort of a preclinical or pre-commercial scale in the hospital, treating tens to hundreds of patients. When you start looking at the logistical complexity of delivering this to 20, 50, 100,000 patients a year, you suddenly get into a whole new realm. There's patients' records, logistics, supply chain issues, uh, data that all have to flow with each patient sample. So it, it, it's a huge undertaking. We've got a lot of work to do ahead of us. But the good news is I think we've made a lot of progress so far.
0: This provides a nice segue into manufacturing. To really move cell therapy and regenerative medicine-based therapies forward for curing many illnesses such as cancer, heart disease, Parkinson's, and age-related macular degeneration, there really needs to be an improvement in the development of robust, scalable manufacturing tools and workflows to generate sufficient, high-quality cells for infusion into patients. I know one of your products, Zuri Cell Expansion System, was launched back in November of 2013 for clinical manufacturing of cellular immunotherapies. Could you briefly describe this closed automated system and the impact it has on bringing these clinical cell therapies to patients?
2: Sure. So, so the Zuri platform is really the workhorse in the industry for expansion of immunotherapy cells, you know, T-cells, uh, whether they're the CAR-T um, chimeric antigen receptor T-cells or they're the TIL cells from uh, tumor-infiltrating lymphocyte uh, for melanoma treatment, for example. But, so for the expansion of these cells, you, you, you commented that you're looking for an inexpensive, effective, wholly closed, and uh, cost-effective manufacturing platform. So the Zuri platform comes from our legacy WAVE uh, rocking bioreactor platform. But importantly, we changed the name on it, and it's a bit more than just cosmetic. <laughs> we changed the name on it deliberately. We have a very strong pedigree in the bioprocess industry, and the WAVE has been a workhorse in that industry as well. But the needs of a bioprocessing in a manufacturing environment are very different than that of a cell therapy manufacturing environment. For example, the the Zuri platform for uh, T-cell expansion is designed to enable work in clinical environments, work in GMP environments, it's 21 CFR Part 11 compliant, so all the data data record, uh, patient record, or any information that's translated is fully uh, regulatorily friendly. It also allows a very easy setup and a very robust perfusion method for expanding these cells. One of the things we noticed compared to the traditional method of expansion of cells in open flasks, for example, one is the bag is completely closed, uh, and secondarily, the number of cells that you can expand in the Zuri platform outnumber the number that you would require using uh, T175 flask. So, for example, if you had a pediatric patient that required 25 to 30 uh, T-flasks, you can do that in one single Zuri bioreactor. Mm. So just the amount of scale and the, and the manufacturing friendliness of this platform is a big departure from what people have today or what people have had historically. So as people move from the clinical trial stages, treating 1 to 10 patients where flasks are maybe doable, even though it's an open system, this really translates over into a a more manufacturing, environment-friendly type of technology.
1: Interesting avenue to to talk about would be a specific example of a clinical trial that that is using this technology. So, for example, the application of these cells in
2: immunotherapy, uh, probably one of the best publicized events over the last year. In fact, uh, cellular immunotherapy as the science uh, breakthrough of the year for 2013 uh, one of the advents of that was this uh, CAR T19, a chimeric antigen therapy for the treatment of acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And this was work pioneered by uh, Carl June and Bruce Levine up at the uh, University of Pennsylvania. Uh, and now that technology has been licensed to Novartis, who's really trying to tackle some of the manufacturing challenges attached to it. Um, but they use this platform. They use the Zuri W5 platform or the original Wave, 25, uh, Wave 5 platform to do their T-cell expansion because it provided all those benefits. A Closed system, it was easily in a single, uh, single bag per patient. It was easily uh, manipulated in their academic setting. Uh, it was easy to operate, it was reproducible, very reliable, and it became, again, all the clinical trials that have been publicized coming from Penn were developed or, or produced on that platform. At GE, we take a lot of pride in the fact that, you know, the, the, these children's lives were
1: saved using GE technology. Just to be a small part of that yeah. is a really big thing. Yeah, that's exciting. So, so I'd like to, to now shift gears a little bit and ask you to uh, give us some insight as to your current position in the marketplace and how you envision advancing the field in the next 10 to 15 years.
2: Right. So. At the beginning of this conversation, we talked a little bit about uh, the foundations that have been largely set in the biology side. So cell therapy occurs at that boundary between engineering and biology, making all those things marry up. I, I think GE recognizes that what we're particularly good at is really big industrial challenges and industrial challenges that have a, an engineering solution to them. And when we looked at the cell therapy marketplace in particular and looked at all the advances, we really thought that, okay, you know, the biology and and characterization or the understanding of what the cells do therapeutically is really the purview of of the clinicians and the companies that are bringing these therapies to market. But where GE really feels that we have the opportunity to participate and to help Deliver this industry into the future in the next five to ten years is to really to start to set up some of these industrial, uh, these manufacturing platforms. So whether it's the the factory floor of the future of where these cells are manufactured and produced at, at scales to hit those tens to hundreds or even millions of patients in the future, what we can bring to the table is a really solid engineering competence. Everything from, you know our legacy and our background in bioproduction. Today, over 95% of all injectable drugs touch a GE product somewhere along their production cycle. In terms of um, manufacturing cell therapies, the future for us is pretty straightforward. We've got unit operations along the process, lots of gaps still to be filled in. If you're in a manufacturing or in a cell therapy production environment today, you're, you're necessarily selecting products from the blood processing industry, from the bioprocessing industry, from the life science industry. There's not a lot of technologies that are bespoke or custom designed for cell therapy production. And with G's approach and engineering mindset, we're kind of trying to take a little different look at what are the, what are the optimal solutions for production. Mm. So tools for expansion that not only scale up, but scale down so you can do process development cost-effectively. Looking at harvesting technologies that you have one core core technology that's responsible for small filtration all the way up to large filtration. Those are sort of some of our design principles. Closed cost-effective tools and technologies, looking at how workflows connect into the larger supply chain challenge. You know, to produce cells today, you have to make sure you've got the patient ready to go. You've got all your raw materials ready to go. You've got all the patient records attached to that. The material gets processed, returned back to the customer, or to that patient, with, uh, you know, fanatical uh, attention to chain of custody of that material as it goes through. So there are logistical challenges. There's production challenges. There's QC challenges. There are... Uh, how do you embed this entire manufacturing paradigm into a healthcare system? Getting the healthcare system up and ready to mm. accept these therapies is, is not going to be a sm- that's no. T- that's a tall order. Physicians need to be familiar with these therapies. How to a- administer them? We have to collect more data. And once these therapies are administered, where do they track in the body? You know, these are all things that GE. Understands from a healthcare perspective, from an engineering perspective, from a logistics and supply chain perspective. So I think we can play a small but supportive role in helping these therapies become clinical realities by building that infrastructure that's necessary.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: For our audience, what would be the key take-home message from this podcast?
2: You know, I, I think that, um, again, I always like to say, as my colleagues will remind me, that you know, cell therapy takes place at that interface of engineering and biology. Necessarily, you can't push on one and solve that problem without an understanding of how it impacts the other side of that equation. So to build a holistic and, and robust and, and vigorous cell therapy industry, we really need to be tackling a number of these challenges all at the same time. I'm thrilled to be here at Wake Forest today talking with Dr. Atala. I mean, the work that's being done here is is astounding. And at the same time, I couldn't help but think, how do we make this available to everybody in the world, whether you're in the U.S., Europe, Asia, anywhere in the world? We have a long way to go, but the foundation is solid. There's a lot of exciting work to be done, and it's great to be part of that. But, you know, a, a key takeaway is, Hats off to all the people who've pioneered this industry, who we are just a participant. We all play a role. You know, hang in there. We're not not out of the woods yet. There's a lot of work to be done. But boy, I couldn't pick a
1: better industry to be part of. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thanks. That's all for this episode. Be sure to listen next time for the latest in regenerative medicine.
0: This podcast is a production of Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine, part of Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center. For more information, visit our website at www.wfirm.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter at WFIRM News.